stop throwing dialogues on the field. Welcome back to Pellucidor Park, where a seemingly eternal season of baseball is coming to an end as the visiting Chicago Cubs battled the hometown series Sabertooths. I'm Abner Perry, providing your play-by-play. At my side is four-time batting champion Johnny Mangani, who retired last year after 12 seasons with the Africa Apes. It's a scoreless tie in the bottom of the ninth inning, but that's because of just horrible offense by both teams, rather than stellar pitching. Our ball game got underway at noon, and it's still noon. It seems like we've been here forever watching these two last place teams finish out their seasons. Pitcher David Innes is coming to bat for his Sabertooths, with nobody on base. Johnny, what do you think of David's performance on the mound today? He played some ball in his college days up on the surface, you know. Unhappy. Unhappy. Hunger. They don't call him the best analyst in baseball for nothing, folks. If you're just joining us, Cubs manager Dusty Baker was ejected in the third inning for fielding 12 players in a desperate attempt to win a ball game this year. As you know, that means he'll be sacrificed to Mayhars under Pellucidor League rules. I'm sure that'll come as a relief to long-suffering Cubs fans. And the starting Chicago pitcher, Mark Pryor, was carried off by Thipdars in the third inning. I'm betting his shoulder will be hurting for quite a while if the Cubs ever find him. Wait a minute. Something's happening. It appears stampeding fags have entered the ballpark. Fans and players are scattering. And now Johnny Mangani has jumped down into the fray. There's chaos here, folks. Well, it's probably all for the best. This game and this season have come to a close for the Cubs and the Sabretooths. I'm ready for football myself. Dateline Jessoon is next on the Gridley Wave Network. From the Chicago Bureau of the Bossonian Blade. Dateline Jessoon. Anthem Press Production. Here's your host, Elmo. Welcome to show number 17. Alright, we haven't heard from the Jeddak of the North in it seems like months. I guess it has been months. Bill, how are you doing? Well, yeah, time kind of flies. Uh, I've been re- really busy, I guess, as you have. It's the start of a university year, and uh, things are pretty hectic around here. Yeah, and you didn't make it to ECOF. We missed you there. Everybody had a really good time. No, I, I, really, we, we wanted to go, but uh, uh, we, we, are, we had teaching schedules that sort of got in the way. Well, the as you know, probably, the uh, guest of honor was Matt Cohen, uh, the author of Brother Men, and I understand you were somewhat involved in that project, or maybe a lot involved in that project. Well, just sort of on, on the side. Uh, uh, I, I'm, I was quite familiar with the letters. Uh, Danton had, uh, had supplied me with a, a, lot of, a lot of letters beforehand. And uh, but Matt got got a lot of his letters from the family, their their family archives, from his great grandfather's stack that he'd kept. 
Uh, Give us. Uh, let me interrupt you for just a quick second. We'll we'll be hearing from Matt directly from his comments at the ECOF, but give the quick summary of what this book is all about, brother men. Well, it's it's uh, the correspondence uh, between Edgar Rice Burroughs and and his best longtime friend Bert Weston. They they were classmates together at uh, the Michigan Military Academy, and they were on the same football team and stuff like that. And in fact, they, their uh, their ages were really similar, uh, uh, because uh, Bert Weston was born in 1876 and died in 1951, just one year uh, after after uh, Ed Burroughs. Anyway, they 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 corresponded for all that all that time for a long long time, and they they shared shared family family news and world events, and uh, it, it was just a, a fantastic collection. And you are familiar with uh, this project because why? Well, uh, Danton has sent me a lot of letters over the years uh, uh, from his grandfather, and uh, we've put them up on the website. But I haven't hadn't seen a lot of the Burt Weston letters, and uh, he dug out uh, a lot of these for Matt Matt Cohen. Uh, because Matt approached him and said he had this book in mind. He was doing an academic book, actually. Uh, Matt is an assistant professor at Duke University. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he did a very long covering introduction and sort of an academic introduction to this whole project. Well, you should be be used to that as an academic (laughs) yourself. And he gathered gathered together uh, letters from... Uh, his grandfather's collection, and he went to see Danton, and he, he, he got a lot of letters there. And he took excerpts in some cases and the relevant stuff and uh, strung them all together. And uh, they're just really a fascinating read because uh, they it's uh, Ed Burroughs' take on, on current events, and and uh, it's it's not... They aren't words for the media. They're, they're his private correspondence with his best friend. How does it bring Ed alive for you, maybe looking at some of this stuff in ways that you don't get just from reading the, the body of his published fiction? Well, they, they talk about family a lot, and they're, they were separated by, by many, many miles uh, because, of course, Ed was on the West Coast, entirely different lifestyles and Burt Weston was in the Midwest uh, in in an agricultural area so they 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 had these contrasting lifestyles and they were this interchange between them was really fascinating and they uh, they shared their their trials and tribulations and things like this and uh, Ed uh, got got his projector unit and his camera equipment that he used to uh, to uh, film Joanne's wedding, and uh, Bert supplied that wholesale, and little little things like this. It's just a uh, really a fascinating read, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of the highlights are on the website. Uh, they're uh, they're in Herbzine. Herbzine dot com. That's Everybody right. Everybody, go visit and read those <laughs> up. Uh, I, I've called the highlights uh, from all the letters that uh, that I've come in touch with, and a lot of the letters are verbatim. Uh, uh, outside of the Burt Weston stuff, I, I have a lot of uh, other other letters, and uh, usually I, I key them in for easy to read text, and I scan the letter and put that in as well. So if people interested in in that cor- correspondence between Ed Burroughs and everyone, he kept everything. Boy, he he kept carbon yeah. copies of everything he sent out. 
Well, you, you really, you got that feeling all the way back to the Porges biography, because I was amazed at how, even even reading through that, how, how much detail there was. And apparently there was, were warehouses more of well, stuff Well, yeah, there's, well. there's lots more in, in Louisville. Uh, and, uh, and, of course, uh, Danton has a tremendous amount of stuff there. Danton has a tremendous archive, because Ed Burroughs kept everything, and, and not just... Uh, Ed, but but his his father and his brothers. There's a tremendous amount of yeah. stuff from them. That's one reason I am really looking forward to having uh, the Dum Dum in Louisville next year because I've never been to Louisville. I've never been to see the uh, the collection, so I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, well, it, it's 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 just a a fantastic collection, and of course Bob Hyde's collection has been added to it. Uh, so that will be uh, uh, unveiled uh, at the Dum Dum as well, and so uh, uh, and I believe uh, the whole collection is getting a lot more space in the Ekstrom Library as well. So uh, mm-hmm. right now uh, George is sort of in cramped quarters and, uh, and things are are stockpiled and whatnot. But uh, if they when they expand a little bit, oh, it, it, it's going to be amazing. Of course, the the Tarzana archive is is different still because really it's not cataloged and and uh, there's just stacks of treasures that you, uh, you never know what you'll come up against. But yeah. uh, of course, well, that's not open to the public. And but gradually we we're releasing some things like this uh, on the various boroughs websites, which which yeah. have grown to gigantic proportions. Uh, one piece of sad news this week. Uh the passing of Daryl Richardson. That's that's very sad uh, because uh, he, he was just a giant among among uh, uh, fandom and, and scholars for eighty years. He he was a collector for for about eighty years, and he had a huge collection. Some uh, some was stolen at one time. Some of his his pulps, but just an amazing collection. Mm-hmm. Did you know him very well? Only or only you talk to him only very through often? correspondence. Uh, I never met him. Uh, uh, we we just never crossed paths at any of the the conventions that he went to the ones I didn't go to and uh, right. but uh, you know I I've been aware of him from from day one and and I've had numerous letters uh, and he sent me a number of books and things like that so uh, it was a, with great regret that uh, that uh, I never met him the first wave of fans are are, are getting to that age uh, you know they're, uh, they're into their eighties and. Uh, and uh, that's the first uh, real wave of, of uh, dedicated Burroughs fans. And, and it's so sad to see them go, but what a legacy they've left. They certainly have, uh, and that's, that's one thing to take from it, I guess, right? Now, all, all of these people, uh, I, I've done fairly extensive profiles on, on the web. And, uh, and, and uh, with Daryl, we, we have a, a fairly large uh, number of, of uh, pages documenting his various things things he's done over the years and we're about to uh, compile a tribute uh, page now on him as well okay all right bill well it was good uh, getting back in touch with you for uh, the return of the jetic of the north on dateline jasoon yeah well it's always great to hear from from elmo the great <laughs> I don't know about that, but thank you. Um, and uh, we'll be talking to you. Go Keep ahead. Swinging. 
Yeah, <laughs> and we'll be we'll be talking to you soon. Okay, it's a, it's always always a lot of fun to chat with you. Hi, I'm Ari Salvatore, and you're listening to the Sci-Fi Podcast Network, place to go when you finally figure out that sometimes reality sucks. Here's Matt Cohen from the Dum Dum Banquet at the Ecoff Convention in August. I want to thank you for a, a wonderful time so far. I bring you greetings and good wishes from my family, and in particular my mother, Catherine Weston Cohen, and my grandmother, Marion Weston. Uh, I don't know how many of you all have read my book, but I'm the, the great-grandson of Herbert Weston, who was one of uh, your Edinburgh's close friends. And uh, the story of how I came to write Brother Men is sort of in there. Uh, sort of. <laughs> like all stories, it's got a certain amount of uh, white lying involved with it. Um, and so I thought that it would be appropriate for me to show you some of the things that I couldn't put in the book. Uh, and tell you a little bit of the story behind it, and a little bit of what I've thought about in uh, meeting you all and seeing you all. I, I was at Oak Park last year, but really was not there very long, not long enough to see you all interact with each other. So it's been very interesting uh, to me. Before I begin, I want to thank the people who got me here, George McWhorter, uh, Carl Henry Franca, uh, and of course, John Tyner. Um, of course, the person that I have most to thank for my being here is Dan Burroughs. And it is to his friendship that I owe the ruminations on ERB, Herb Weston, and friendship in general that I'm about to launch into. The chain of friendships, uh, an admirable metaphor for a group of fans, bibliophiles, and collectors, and my warm welcome from all of you leads me to believe that friendship is the foundation, the main pillar of interest in Edgar Rice Burroughs today. Sadly, this is not true of all such groups. Hang out with certain of the James <coughs> Joyce fans and family for a while and you <laughs> will wish that you had armed yourself beforehand. <laughs> my mother showed me my family's collection of Burroughs letters. She warned me that it wouldn't be easy to publish them. My mom had worked hard a decade earlier uh, than when I found out about the letters to gather the letters, to preserve them, and put them in a semblance of order, which there's still only in a semblance of order in my book. <laughs> Wicked copy editors. <laughs> she had even written a conference paper uh, that ERB Incorporated would not allow her to present, hence her warning to me. At the time she and I discussed the letters in the late 1990s, she hadn't met Danton Burroughs, and she didn't know that things were changing in Tarzana. But it's true and for good reason, that it's still not easy to get into the archives there, even if you've got a bunch of letters that the Burroughs Corporation folks haven't seen before. I was lucky to win Danton's <coughs> support for this project, and as I hope, and as I will talk about here in a minute, perhaps future ones. To publish Brother Men, I had both to want and to earn the friendship of someone I had never met before. When I did meet him, Danton and I bonded very quickly. Frankly, this makes little sense. Uh, his grandfather and my great-grandfather had a lot in common. But Danton and I do not. He's from California. 
<laughs> I am from Kentucky. I am an English professor. He runs an intellectual property and brand management corporation. He is the grandson of one of the leading international creators of fantasy fiction of the 20th century, and I am grandson of farmers. He collects things. Almost everything. <laughs> and I collect nothing. George can even tell you about my tendency to give things away. As soon as I was finished publishing the letters, I asked my family to donate them to Louisville's collection, where they are now. I hope. <laughs> but Tantor and Numa can be among Tarzan's best friends. So too can Danton and I be friends. We discovered that we shared an interest in increasing the amount of attention paid to ERB and his creation. We have very different methods for doing that, and we have to negotiate in an ongoing way how these methods will relate to each other. But so far, so good. One of those negotiations on the way to Brother Men um, had to do with the images that would go into the final book. <coughs> Danton wanted a lot more images. Uh, and really, I did too. Uh, but publishing images is very expensive, <coughs> especially for a university press like Duke. Um, but it's cheap to show them to you. So I'm going to show you a few of them, uh, some of which you may have seen before and some I know you haven't uh, that didn't make it in. Um, I've got lots of my My grandfather was a photographer, or my great-grandfather was a photographer as well as being the subject of lots of pictures. So uh, I think he spent a lot of time making these kinds of pensive self-portraits. Uh, this is him. I, I actually think this is while he was at MMA. Um, and you, you can see, you know, he's clearly got the, the football gear on, but he's clean. <laughs> you know, this is not an action portrait. This is not the usual football. Uh, sort of uh, and the setting also is wonderful. This is uh, a group picture of cadets at MMA, which I don't think has been published before. My my good grandfather here, middle. Uh, it's always easy to spot Burroughs in these pictures just from looking at his expression. Uh, there's a, a lack of concern for the hierarchy that's supposed to be being observed in any one of these types of pictures. But this is still a relatively formal picture. I mean, everybody's more or less behaving for a bunch of military school, um, you know, <laughs> discipline problems. Uh, however, <coughs> not, and I, I'm sorry about the quality of this picture, but this is really about the the best I could get. Uh, this picture, um, these pictures hung in my great grandfather's office, um, and so they're in varying sort of states of decay. But this, in this one, this is more um, characteristic of the sorts of pictures that come out of uh, out of the, the Edgar Rice and Herb uh, Weston Association. Um, we can't see this, but this is porn. <coughs> This is a magazine called Behind the Scenes for uh -huh. <laughs> uh, new <laughs> pictures. And this is a group. You can sort of see the four <coughs> sitting around this. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> they're children presents. I can't blow this up anymore. But um, this is using a smoking picture and so on and so forth. It, it goes beyond smoking. 
<laughs> and these, you know, they're like 14, right, 15, you know, they're kids. Uh, and uh, back to this uh, picture. <laughs> Want my all-night guard? Do you see a glimmer of intelligence? <laughs> <laughs> sort of see why they didn't make it in this book. This did not stop this, this prankery when my great-grandfather went to college. Um, he went, he was a part of the class at the Sheffield School of Engineering, the class was uh, 1898. They were released early to go and serve in the Spanish-American War. Um, and what, what I like about this, there are a lot of the kind of set photos taken in the dorm room of kind of you know, this is sort of frat boy behavior, except they're not really frat boys, so there's this kind of interesting transition that they're making that's not really a transition being, being men. Here you can see the class of 98 <coughs> holding the class of 99, uh, the youngster at gunpoint. Hazing, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I promise, is not like this anymore, not even at Duke University, where I teach. Um, but there's also, there are also more, uh, <coughs> <laughs> kind of fun and, and strange things. Um, <laughs> those are the in my book, you know, I talk about, uh, you can stand out of the first kind of spectacular bodybuilder of the late 19th century, who I'm, I'm certain that the cadets probably saw when, he, when they were both in Chicago during the exhibition. And uh, this is clearly inspired by, you know, the straw man shows of, of that uh, of that genre, and you can, uh, you know, you can see them working really hard to get the technology right. So right before photoshopping, this was the way you had to do it. Um, but uh, and this is a sentimental comedy. This is a, a Jan Berry novel that they've got a cover of up there, an advertisement for for Scribner, which is a, kind of interesting. Um, and I know that one of Berry's, another one of Berry's novels was in. The Burroughs Library. I don't know if you <coughs> uh, this this picture I had in the book. Uh, again, another another one inspired by that Sandow uh, thing. Um, and uh, just for those of you who are future, you know, or present blues, uh the date that I attributed to it I got off of it was a pan. It's written on because this is I think a food pan was delivered and they put the date on it. Sure. So I've been showing you pictures from my my great grandfather's having gone off to school, and as you know, when he did that, Burroughs did not. Um, they've been buddies on the football team, uh, but Burroughs did not make it into West Point, not remotely. Um, and so he stayed behind. And uh, there's sort of speculation. I mean, I speculate about there being tension between them as a result of this, and one might kind of easily imagine this. Uh, here's Weston going off as a big football player. He might end up playing for Yale team, you know, which was better back then, relatively. Uh, so there's, there's potential for a lot of envy. I couldn't demonstrate that in the book, but when I was visiting, Danton pulled out a couple of images and showed them to me and said, Matt, what do these mean? He does so often, and I usually say, I don't know. Uh, but this one, this one I could probably explain. A <laughs> 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 uh, red-headed boy with a Yale jersey on the ground, and a familiar-looking figure in an MMA outfit. 
Uh, <laughs> has anybody else seen this drawing before? <laughs> no. Um, this strikes me as uh, unusually confessional. <laughs> Bert didn't make the Yale team, so I suppose things worked out. As Danton and I looked through these pictures and read the letters, we had plenty of occasion to think about the benefits of friendship and the way that these two men helped each other despite their differences and tensions, and perhaps because those differences and tensions were productive for both of them. And of course, there were letters found at the last minute I wish I could have included. In one of them, from 1915, my great-grandfather offers an unusual new standard for literary criticism. He has just read The Son of Tarzan to my great-uncle, Carl Weston, and he reports, <coughs> Collins is mad about The Son of Tar. He is now engaged in holding his breath until the next issue. <laughs> I foolishly read the first number to Jeff, who's younger, as well, and that night the old boy had many and various bad dreams and spent many hours escaping from the beasts of the jungle. I don't know how that strikes you, but it looks like flattering criticism to me. <laughs> I don't suppose that highly moral, as well as intellectual, all-story would permit it, but I hope that Korak and Miriam will breathe young so that the Tarzan series can go on and on indefinitely. <laughs> <laughs> it's no bad thing to write a tale that makes a nine-year-old breathe hard when his dad reads it to him. <laughs> I've been focusing on friendship's past, but sometimes the most exciting part of a friendship is its future. Uh, Danton and I have begun talking about a possible next project, and I would be a fool not to take this opportunity to get all of you all thinking about it. It seems to me, if one were to continue publishing volumes of correspondence based around specific themes, which is really the only way we can get it published at this point, um, there, there's just not going to be that much of an audience if we don't kind of do that, um, that it might be useful to have an edition of the most significant letters pertaining to the publication of Tarzan novels. Obviously, letters such as this one, from ERB to General Charles King. Here I am again. I don't intend that you shall forget me. This time I am a seeker after truth. This is dated January 15, 1913. I am threatened with a book, and as it is my first, I want to ask what royalty I should expect, or if I sold the book rights, about what would be a fair cash price. I know that you know all about it, and, uh, and can help me with guarding the pitfalls that my ignorance might lead me into. I started writing fiction about a year ago, since when I sold the magazine rights and three short novels to the Frank Monty Company, and so on. Uh, now Riley and Britton and Chicago publishers are considering my part of the apes as a book possibility. I had a talk to Mr. Riley today, and he seems very keen for the story. From what he said, I think they'll make me a proposition shortly. And of course, I should like to know what I'm talking about when they do give this. You can give me a bit of advice without encroaching too much upon your time. You know how much I shall appreciate it. Under separate cover, I'm sending you a copy of the story. It's in the copy before published. Um, this sort of thing seems to me like it would be useful to have these in full uh, available. And there's lots, lots more. Uh, it's also a good moment to undertake this project, I think, because a historian of the book named Michael Winship is about to publish a study of A.C. McClurg. Um, I met him researching it while I was at the Newberry Library in Chicago last year. So, and he's a quick writer, so it's going to be out soon. With Danton's help, the story of publishing Tarzan and rich documents like this one might see more light than ever before. To do this, though, I will need your friendship as well. Uh, to a literary scholar like me, one of the most interesting things about studying a figure like ERB is that it can't be done using traditional methods uh, of literary history or criticism. The corporation holds a lot of materials, but you all and other collectors 
together hold almost as much that would be of interest to someone doing cultural research. You also know the enigmas, uh, and I will be grateful if you will send me the great questions about the publication of Tarzan <coughs> or Tarzan's appearance in movies or radio uh, that are lurking out there, because those are things that can guide me as I look through the archives. Um, I can hold things out that will, that will bring light. More importantly, you hold knowledge, facts, names, dates to be sure, but also the knowledge of the social life that has surrounded Burroughs' fandom and the knowledge of the history of his fan. I couldn't have written Brother Men without your sharing that knowledge, which constituted nothing less than a window into my own family's past. For that, and for this opportunity to show my gratitude, I thank you, my friend. And that is it for show number 17. I'll talk to you in two weeks. This is Elmo from the Barsoomian Blade Bureau in Chicago, signing off. Unhappy? Unhappy. Hunger.